no my hale mai, and welcome to season four, episode two of Filling His Capscom, a poetry podcast. Uh, this season is called Stories That Nearly Didn't Get Told. And this week I'm joined by my friend Nick. Kia ora, Nick. Hi, Phil. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. Feels a bit weird asking you how you are when we've already been chatting for 12 minutes, 20 seconds. <laughs> there we go. Um, going to give you the choice, Nick. Do you want to hear my story first that nearly didn't get told? Or do you want to kick off with your story that nearly didn't get told? Uh, you can go first. All right, here's your choices. Um, the titles of these poems are Detour, Enjoy, Pit Stop Part 1, the Beat Feet and Logman. Is there a part two <laughs> to, to, to your pit stop? Great question. Um, we had this last recording with, there was Duck Trip part one, where I revealed that um, there are part two and three, but they're not good enough to get on the podcast. Similar with pit stop number one. <laughs> there is a part two, but it's not going to get on the podcast. It's not good enough. So it ends on a cliffhanger? Yeah. Well, well no, it's, it's a standalone poem, I guess. Okay. Uh, what were the other options? Sorry. Oh, good. <laughs> you got Detour, Enjoy, The Beat Feet, and Logman. Uh, Logman. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. I was half... I think this might be the great greatest poem I've done or the worst poem I've ever done. Um, okay, let's find it. Where are you, Logman? Here we go, Logman. Oh, it's quite a long one. Okay, and I'll no doubt stumble along some of it. Here we go, Logman. Pity stood aghast. He had presumed the fallen tree would signal a premature end to his walk. But this mysterious stranger had hoisted the mighty log with their right boot and a perfectly straight back before discarding it down the bank with a flick of their left hand. No, no doubt aided by some hidden combination of muscles, tendons and ligaments. A hemibody, presumably trained through healthy routines and fueled by porridge or something like that. Seamlessly taking over from its right-handed comrade. What really stuck with Pity? was the way this character's gaze remained focused on the mid-distance, as if the removal of the piney mass was no more a nuisance than an easily accessible itch. They seem to be focused on something else entirely. What's they here? Must be their eyes. Maybe it's the gaze. The gaze seemed to be focused on something else entirely. Maybe compiling a mental shopping list. Maybe visualising some new kind of cheese grater design. Or maybe dwelling on past relationship mistakes. Surely not the latter, though. Not this individual. Pilly couldn't Im imagine this hero ever doing wrong by anyone. Less than 100 metres down the trail, Pilly, still very much lost in thought regarding the whole silent encounter with the stranger, tripped on a small rock and fractured every bone on the left-hand side of his body. Where was his hero now, he thought, as his right hemibody rolled its eye at his left. 
There we go. Nice, I enjoyed that. There's a, there was quite a lot going on, wasn't there? No, it took, took you on a journey. It did, and I obviously haven't read it for a while. Did the, the whole point of like, <laughs> I don't know about the term hemibody either. I meant, I think, is it clear that I meant like the left side of his body was taken over from the right side of his body to like throw the log away? Yeah, it, it, it is. It is kind of odd terming, I guess. I I, I did I I didn't pick up on it uh, initially. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe there's a case in point for editing and reading things aloud <laughs> more than once before you do a podcast about it. Who knows? Um, Who knows? But do you want to know the the real secret of this poem, Nick? Uh, yes. Um, Logman is in fact me. Whoa. I know, right? So. So you pushed a giant log and then broke half your body? Well, well, this, yeah, this, this needs to be clarified. The end of the poem is purely fabricated for dramatic effect <laughs> no bones were broken and i'd say i definitely exaggerated the size of the log in the poem but yeah the the moment that nearly didn't get kept the story that nearly didn't get told here was in fact me going on a bushwalk here in the beautiful middle and removing a log from the path so i did it but the reason it stuck in my head was that i was so I kind of did it without thinking about it and it wasn't a massive log but I did flick it up with my right foot and then just throw it down the bank with my left hand and as soon as I'd done it I kind of reflected on no, none of me made a conscious decision to do that it was almost just autopilot I was still distracted by what I was thinking about and just thought oh I just did a thing and didn't have to kind of plan it or yeah consciously make a decision my my leg just did it my my body just nailed it basically without almost without my brain being involved which I know is scientifically not true but you get the idea <laughs> did you uh like flick up the log and then catch it like with you with your hand I was think, it one sort of foul swoop, one fluid motion, or? Uh... Again, I'm a bit hazy because I was distracted by the thinking I was doing, but I wouldn't say flick. I'd say maybe scoop or swoop, as you said. I'd say, <clears throat> yeah, maybe it was more of a scoop up into the hand rather than a, I think a flick indicates that, you know, I'm, there's a lot of air time and it involves catching. Whereas I think it was more of a scoop and just a transfer of custody from leg to hand, if that makes sense. So if someone was there, would they have thought, damn, they look cool. And, here, and herein lies the thing, Nick, because you obviously in the poem, I've added myself in as the person. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but um, I use pity a lot. Um, especially after I found out that in Today Māori, um, 
Philip is Pilipi. Um, oh, no Pili for short, which I was stoked about seeing how much I love Pili Weepu as well. Um, so yeah, <laughs> if I'm ever writing a poem, if it's Pili, then it's me. If it's Pepe, it's me. Um, or if it's Phyllis, it's me. So there you go. There's a big reveal. Um, gotcha. So yeah, I've obviously added myself in as the observer in that story, but in the real life version, I was the, not only the observer, <clears throat> but the main character themselves. So yes, if there was someone else there, would they be impressed? Mm, doubtful. Should they have been impressed? <laughs> Almost yes, certainly. Yes. Have you ever done anything well, like that, but maybe that's doubtful. But have you ever done anything on autopilot so much that you've kind of caught yourself having done it without realizing or anything like that? Uh, yes. So when I worked in retail, I uh, used to do the banking, so, you know, counting up the uh, previous day's money. Mm -hmm. And we used to have, like, the coins used to be bagged in, in certain amounts. Yeah. Like, I think it was 25 bucks for $1 and 50 50 for twos. And mm -hmm. I imagine, like, five bucks for, like, tens and twenties and whatnot. <laughs> but, like, I'd, I, I always felt it's quite a, uh, a personal, like, achievement when I'd, managed to, without sort of counting the coins, have had, like, the correct amount. Uh, so you know, just, like, yeah. just, like, getting the correct amount by eye in, instead of counting, mm. that, that was always good. You just kind of know, right? Being able to, like, yeah, somehow know that this sort of, this stack of, you know, 10 cent pieces, that's that's definitely, like, a dollar. I don't need to count that. I know that. Nice. That was always good. I like that. Do you think if someone handed you a stack of 10 cent pieces and you had to have your eyes shut, so it's just purely by weight, do you think you could do it by weight? Oh, not anymore, but I feel, yeah, I probably could have. <laughs> back, in, back in your prime. Maybe not weight, but just like if I pinched the two between like my thumb and index finger, just sort of the, the width of the stack, I or the height of the stack, I feel like, I, yeah, it could definitely have sort of worked out mm. how much, uh, how much coinage there was. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you'd have to be quite careful with that pinch because you know I think if you pinch too hard, the middle ones would fly out, you know, and there'd be chaos. Oh yeah, the, the stack would Losing be eye. crumpled stack coins. That, remember coins though. More to the point, when was the last time you held a coin? just the other day <laughs> um, uh, they, they tend to, like obviously I'm in the UK and I like I still use cash occasionally but, I mean it's mainly at your, your coin shops where like I'm buying a can or something and okay. you know, it's not like two two quid worth <laughs> so, I've, I've definitely always got some like coins or like a five from my wallet mm. Can't remember. I think I think I found a coin a couple of weeks ago and held it briefly when I found it and was like, "Oh, a coin!" But I don't know what I did with it. <laughs> Def definitely didn't spend it. That's for sure. 
to throw it in a lake, throw it in a, throw it, yeah, throw it in like a little pond or something. Good luck. Why not? I wish him fond. Um, yeah. All right, Nick, moving on from the, the, in, I don't know what to call it, the mess that was Logman. Um, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we should chat briefly about Logman sounds a bit like a superhero, right? If, um. Be, I mean, that you... was kind of why I uh, I picked it. It kind of did sound like you know the uh, the the savior of of the forest or something. <laughs> yeah, kind of along the lines of you know you got Iron Man, Ant Man. Do you think do you think Log Man would stack up next to all those other um, superheroes, take his place in the Marvel? Oh, totally. In the Marvel, would it be Marvel or DC Log Man? Uh, honestly. I couldn't tell you the difference. <laughs> that's, that, uh, that's not my forte. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, I'm imagining, yeah, I don't know, maybe Logman works with Ant-Man and the Ant-Man could hide in the log until the log gets like thrown to the right place and then out comes Ant-Man bah, to do the, I don't know, rambling now. <laughs> so is Logman's power just to like... Transport. Lie down in, in the park. <laughs> no. Hide, hide um, people or what? Also, Blogman's job is to stop people going on trails that they shouldn't be going on. So as a barrier, <laughs> but then also removing barriers when needed. So after severe flooding or trees that have fallen in the storm, that's, I mean, that's where Logman comes into his own. And... And as you could tell from the poem, he's so good at having a steely gaze. He's so focused. The log removal is nothing to him, Nick. The log removal is absolutely nothing. So this this guy can be removing logs, massive trees that have fallen down in a storm, you know, blocking major roads, um, affecting power lines. Not only can he do that, but he can also be contemplating other big problems in life, like transport infrastructure in general, um, other social issues <laughs> in the relevant suburb. So the, the, the mind of a supercomputer. Pretty much. So, you know, as, as they're clearing the logs, maybe people can be coming along just asking general life advice and, um, <laughs> yeah, it could even be a local councillor and, you know, as they're removing logs could have like a session Q and a session or like people bring their <laughs> challenges along and he can probably solve a lot of them while clearing these logs. I don't know. Sounds like a pretty good superpower to me. Well, I'm jealous. Um, all right, Nick. Sure sounds better than flying. <laughs> yeah, who needs to fly when you can remove logs with without even your full concentration? <laughs> um, all right, Nick, tell me about your story that nearly didn't get told and is about to be told to a vast audience of listeners. So, this past Tuesday, I'd had tickets for the show for a while. I bought two in in the in I don't know. I honestly don't know why I bought two in the hope of somehow between uh, you know the six months prior that I'd bought the tickets or um, or somehow I'd like find a friend or something to go with me. <laughs> but of course. Didn't happen. Yeah. 
sold sold that ticket. Decided that okay, I'd go to the show. Uh, show day comes along, uh, comes along, along and uh, mind just goes. You know, you don't want to go to the show. Everyone's going to look at you. Who wants to be the guy by themselves at a show? Um, but in the end, I went. Uh, and I had a really good time, and it was worth it. So I'd like to think that there was someone at the show saw me by myself and thought, hey, that guy had a good time. Yeah, good on him. And decided that they would go to a show by themselves in the future. I can relate to that 100%. Yeah, I think you're an inspiration for all of us, Nick. Um and I've had exactly the same quandary a few times um, here in Auckland and back in London. Been to quite a few gigs by myself and always have the same thing of, oh, do I really want to go? And yeah, what's it going to look like? And actually thinking, no, it doesn't matter. So I think the message of your story, Nick, is who cares what other people think? And if you want to do something, do something, right? As on, well, within reason, we're talking legal and ethical here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So do you think, tell, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the danger is you thinking that other people are going to look at you and think, oh, look at that guy at a gig on his own. <laughs> I mean, it's not even that. Well, I guess there's a partly that, but it's also just like, you know, it's, a, it's just a bit boring standing around. Like, I don't know. I don't, hmm. I don't partake in alcoholic beverages at, at shows mainly because I don't want to go to the toilet all the time but um, you know you're just sort of standing around and you know, if you had at least one person with you that's at least someone that you have a conversation with mm. um, and yeah, there's the going to the venue and coming home from the venue you know, here in London that's a good like 40 minutes to an hour each way mm. Mm. Um I mean, frankly, like, I've, I haven't, I've, I've had tickets to many a show and have not, have not gone purely for this reason. Um, so it was nice to, to get a win <laughs> nice. and, and, and somewhat remind myself that, yeah, gigs can be fun a solo. Cool. Well, that shows how massively I misinterpreted because I thought it was more of a not wanting to be seen on your own. And like you said, hopefully you. Um, rather than people looking and thinking, oh, that guy's on his own at a gig. Hopefully people thought, oh, that guy's on his own at a gig. And I realised I just said the same thing, but the tone was different. Right? <laughs> but the, tone, the toning was much different. Yeah. In terms of, oh, and he's having a great time, yeah. so I should go to a gig on my own and it will be great. So, yeah, hopefully you've been inspired. Although if they saw you at the gig, they've obviously already gone to the gig. Oh, but maybe they're with their friends. And they probably had a good time. Yeah. Maybe they were with their friends at that gig. And in the future, when a chance to go to a gig on their own comes up, they'll think back to you and that will inspire them to, to go for it and go to the gig. Yeah, most definitely. Um, Although it's London and no one pays attention to anyone else. so. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. That's the, um, the folly of it all, thinking that people are actually going to look at you and 
care enough to even make a judgment or think about your backstory. Therefore, the story doesn't get told, Nick. Exactly. Hey, we got there. No one's going to go home and go, how's the gig? Oh, yeah, the gig was good. There was a guy who was on his own watching. He was going by himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there was this, this was, he just had this aura, this glow that, you know, he was at a gig solo. I just, I, I just want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. But maybe, maybe we need to go deeper with this, Nick, and it's a societal thing in terms of certain things not wrong to do on your own, but there's like a pressure to be, oh, that's supposed to be a social thing. I remember going to see Ruben on my own in London, one of my favorite bands at the time, and no one wanted to go and I was going on my own. And my dad offered to come almost as a like, oh, you're going to go on your own? Like, oh, I'll come, which I really appreciated. And I kind of wish I'd have taken him up on it, but I was like, no, that's fine, I'll go on my own. It's a great gig. But the reason I said no to my dad is because I remember within a year of that, going to work with him um, in the holidays and driving along in the van and I put a Ruben album on and he sat there in silence through the whole album. And if you don't know Ruben, they're quite heavy. And at the end of the album, he just casually said, and that was music, was it? when he offered to come to the gig i was like man it would have been a great joke actually to make him come to that and knowing that he'd hate it but i was like no i think i'll be all right there i can do this the other the other story it reminded me of when you said you had another ticket was i had two tickets to england versus new zealand for the cricket world cup in 2015 is it 2015 um same as you, I thought, I'll get two tickets because I'll find someone who wants to go to Wellington with me to watch the cricket. Um, <laughs> closer and closer, closer and closer. No one, no one, no one. So then I thought, I'll just take it down and sell it like outside on the way to the gig or something. Uh, the gig, the, yeah. the game. And then on the flight down, I massively... Oh, on the flight down, side note, the whole Hurricanes team, so like Mananu, the Savia brothers... Um, no, um, no. The scatter, they were all on the flight and also the commentary team. So Shane Warne was on the flight. Um, <laughs> no way. Yeah. Who else was on? A few other famous people. Richard Hadley, I think. Um, yeah. Anyway, the whole flight, I was like, actually, do I want to sell the ticket? Because in my head, it was going to be like a sold out cake tin, which is the stadium in yeah, Wellington yeah. for non-New Zealand listeners. Um, but then I thought, oh, if it's sold out, if I sell my ticket to someone, that means I've got to sit next to them for the whole day. Um, so yeah. I, I talked myself out of it and just thought, actually, you know, it wasn't that much money. I'll just have a spare seat next to me. Put my and bag then, on that seat. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I went for that option and it turns out it wasn't that busy anyway. So I moved around and sat in multiple oh. places anyway. So there we go. That was a good World Cup age. Hey, the 2015, did you go to any 2015 games? Uh, yeah, I went to the, that was, that was the infamous uh, South Africa semi, wasn't it? Yeah. Eden Park? Yeah, yeah. Were you there? Yeah, yeah was it for that one? Yeah. Oh, me, me. That yeah. was mean. Me and Ryan were there. Where were you sitting? Uh, West Stand. Uh, okay. Where's that in relation to where 
old mate Harry Javelin hit the winning six? If I remember rightly, he hit it into the south stand? Or was he betting from the south stand side? I'm I'm not good with my Eden Park geography. So there's the ASB, uh, so the, the, the east stand is the uh, former terraces, and that's the side closest to um, Mount Eden. Is that the open one? Uh uh, yeah, and the west is the other open one, which is closest to the train station. So we were in that one. Oh, yeah. Myself and Ryan were in like the corner of basically opposite where the six went. So, yeah, if you followed where the ball landed to where he hit it and kept going, that's where me and Ryan were. Yeah, uh, anyway, this is riveting oh, nice. stuff for listeners, eh? <laughs> Oh yeah, riveting. Um, stadium, stadium, <laughs> and compass points, admin. Um, <laughs> any last thoughts on your story, Nick? Anything you'd like to add on? Um, nah, I'm good. Awesome. Um, well, I don't feel like it was the great story, but it was a story nonetheless. I like it. No, it's it's um, it's a story for all the overthinkers <laughs> and. A story for those who may be less um, confident or less inclined to do things on their own that hey why not let's do it I've got a set of couplets and number two has gone so you can choose one three four five or six for a little couplet that I'm gonna read okay let's go with six all right number six says Live without regrets, unless you've disturbed a flock of egrets. <laughs> More great life advice. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that a lot. What do you think about the phrase, live without regrets? Do you think that's a good bit of advice? I mean, it depends where, it depends how you take it. Like it almost sounded fitting. I mean, uh, with 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 my uh, little story. Absolutely, like, yeah. Two things, but then on the flip side, if you do stuff and don't get regrets, like I feel like that adds to your personal growth. So, is there? A, yeah. yeah, you need to you need to make mistakes. Yeah. It's tricky one, eh? I think I'm with you. I think if you live without regrets, are you really living? Like, surely everyone regrets things. But maybe it's not a case of regretting them, but just seeing them as things that you learn from and move forward, you know? Yeah, true. Maybe maybe there needs to be a new word for regrets. A, a learning A learning pivot. Do you think that will catch on? <laughs> Most definitely. Yep. Uh, rolls off the tongue. Uh, yeah, it does roll off the tongue. The last feature of season four, Nick, is a section I called, I think I call, Bready Movie Puns. And it's where your friend of mine, Glenn, and another friend of yours, me, um, that was a really bad way of saying it, basically... 
Glenn and I come up with bread puns that are also movie titles, as I explained in episode one. Um, so even though it's only episode two, um, Glenn hasn't got back to me because it is quite early morning on a long weekend here. And as you're such good friends with Glenn, I've asked you to step in, eh, Nick, and come up with um, a bread pun to represent Glenn. So you are tribute to Glenn today. So thank you for doing that. Um, Anytime. And here are your two options, listeners. So basically, I'll put these on Instagram and feel free to vote for which pun you think is better. Bearing in mind they have to be bread related and have to be a movie. Um, myself and Nick will not give anything away with our reactions. Your option one today is the whole meal nine yards. And option two is Top Bun. So hopefully you can work out what those movies are and get voting on Instagram to see who is the pun champion between myself and Glenn. Um, I think that's everything for today. Uh, thanks heaps for coming on, Nick. All right, thanks for having me, Phil. And putting up with the rambling and joining in with the rambling. And um, thank you, listeners, as well. Namahi Nui. Um, a few more thanks before I sign out. Thank you, Sam, for the artwork for this season. And thank you, Tom Crab, for the awesome theme music. Uh, like I said, do email in philandhiscapsicum at gmail.com or find me on Instagram, also philandhiscapsicum, where you can vote on the poll for the best bread pun. Also feel free to email in um, an alternative ending for the couplet about living without regrets. Um, and also your own stories, especially if you resonated with Logman today, you know, what would your superhero be or what would you use Logman for in your day-to-day -day life? Or have you got a story like Nick's where you've doubted whether you want to do something on your own and have done it anyway? Um, it would be great to hear those stories and I'll read them out next time. So thanks again to Nick and I will see you for episode three next time. Kakite. Thank you.